This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to day three, the final day of MadCon 2022. And today's theme is Breaking Through Barriers. Uh, This specific podcast will kind of talk about breaking through the distance and time zone barrier that is... uh, that it brought upon us by either distance or the pandemic for those of us who were close and can no longer work in close proximity. Um, I have some wonderful guests today that have had a lot of experience recently with how to coordinate a lot of people uh, in maybe an, uh, an enclosed internet space. So Hannah, why don't you tell us about yourself? Hello, my name is Hannah. Um, uh, Hannah Levin. I am the uh, lead writer for Supersuits. Uh, which is an upcoming uh, scripted audio drama. Uh, I was also in the panel a couple days ago on scripted audio dramas. Um, I was also the lead writer for A Midsummer's Quarantine, which was another FN original. Uh, and I've also uh, uh, were I am also a player on Ghosts on a Train, which is uh, an actual play podcast, which is done remotely now as well. So I guess that's relevant as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like a lot of our projects have it, it's so convenient now to do uh, remote that it's almost easier. Oh, oh, sorry, everyone. My Discord crash. Right moment to be saying that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how it's ironic! So convenient to be doing remote. <laughs> how Click ironic! Blank. My Discord decided to just crash. We had some issues. Uh, Ed Discord was doing this yesterday during uh, some of our panels. So sorry about that. I am back. Um, Do you need to start recording again, or are you still? No, my uh, my recording right. software has been fine. So. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Larry, why don't you tell us a bit more about what you do? Okay. I like the idea of breaking through time and distance. That sounds like a superhero kind of uh, thing right there. So, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe we all are for doing something like this uh, remotely. My name is Larry Groby. Uh, gosh, I have done old radio recreations because that's my focus and specialty, uh, vintage radio for 40 years uh, plus started started young there was a guy in in the dallas fort worth area who started a museum some of you will know the name bill bragg because he went on to create yesterday usa to yesterday usa and uh, he had a museum and i got to work with him and the museum and the old equipment and the people and did live recreations for audiences for forever uh not very often but but had a great time and we had some wonderful voice talent in Dallas. We had people who um, were nationally doing commercials, but they all loved doing radio for free. So that was fun. Anyway, we uh, 
when I, I created a website about 20 years ago to share all the scripts that we've used over the years called genericradio.com. That's out there on the Internet, and if somebody needs a, you know, a vintage, we have almost 200 series and thousands of episodes on genericradio.com that people have contributed over the years. And when the pandemic hit and nobody could do any shows for live audiences, uh, it, it dawned on me that we ought to figure out a way to do it remotely. And... Um, Thought, thought it would be cool if we could just do a live stream on Facebook. Well, that turned out to be a little difficult, um, a little, little ambitious, shall we say, but uh, recording it on Zoom and then presenting it on Facebook, that worked. Uh, we started two years ago, and we called it Project Audion, and it's out there on Facebook, but uh, our 33, 32 shows, I'm working on the 33rd, uh, is out there, uh, easy to find on YouTube, particularly. And I'm actually going to link into the chatter, and I'll have this linked in the YouTube video as well, the most recent video you all put out that features uh, Jeff and uh, features, uh, I believe Tom said he was in it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it is really cool stuff that y'all are doing with this. Um, it really is a full-blown radio play all at one time, uh, most of it you do in one single and uh, and large takes, right? It's not pieced together um, heavily afterwards. It, it, a lot of it you do in the moment. Is that correct? Absolutely. We we're, we're um, we got a, our goal is to recreate a radio show because a that's the way they were done in the forties and fifties. B that's what the live audiences used to see. You know, if we were doing it live or if a show was being done live. Uh, the the audience managed to watch the whole thing in one take, and if you stumble, I mean, it's it's a play. So yeah, even today, our our shows are always done. I want to say in one take. Occasionally, we've had a bug or a glitch, and I will make an edit to pick up right in the middle. Um, and and I think that happened one point in Red Rider. But yeah, we get everybody together online at the same time, go through it and do it all. The one thing we don't do, and I, I think I have to blame Zoom for this, uh, we don't try to come in in, in 30 minutes precisely. Um, we they, Our shows tend to run a little long, uh, which is okay if the energy level's there. Zoom tends to slow down you know, everything just a little bit. There's just a little lag between characters, and so... You can't really notice it while they're doing it, but if you look at the clock at the end of the show, all of a sudden we've gone to 33 minutes instead of 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's okay. We don't we don't have a network clock and, and a newscast at the top of the hour. We have to worry about. So. Yeah. As uh, long as the as long as the cast is having fun, that's what I want. <laughs> and it looks like y'all have a really good time. You know, you'll be talking and doing fully at the same time. It's very very interesting, and I, I want to dig in a little bit more into a lot of the projects you have going on here. Um, um, so it says Project Audion 32, Red Rider. Is each one a unique play? Is it uniquely written? Each one is a completely, yeah, we're an anthology series. Awesome. <laughs> uh, each each show has been different. Uh, we've, we've touched on some of the real famous shows of uh, old time radio. Uh, Suspense, for instance. Uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Um, we've touched on some really obscure 
shows. Uh, for instance, uh, I'm looking here uh, on stage, which was a Kathy and Elliot Lewis show from the 50s. Things that aren't well remembered. Uh, often, a lot of our scripts come from the generic radio archives and their scripts, for instance, The Red Rider, that haven't got a recording anymore, that are lost, mm. essentially. The script is all that survives from 70, 80 years ago. Uh, a couple months ago, we did one of the missing 12 episodes of Suspense that is still, uh, you know, did Suspense did 900 shows oh during God. its lifetime, well over 900 episodes in a 20-year run. And they have recordings of all but about a dozen. Mm. And this one called The Eavesdropper that we did was one of the dozen for which no recording exists. So this is the first chance to, to make it come alive in, well, since 1956 in this case. That's amazing. That's a, that's a very fun project. Do you, uh, do you kind of work with the same cast very often or do you have a very like, a large rotating group of talent? More towards the latter. One of my goals, I mean, when, when, I, when I was driving home the night that the pandemic shut the play I was in down, uh, I was going, okay, maybe we can just get everybody who was in the play together and do this. And then after a few days, I was going, maybe I'd get my other friends in Dallas to do this because I knew a few. And then after that, it was, you know what? I bet we could do better. There's people who love audio drama all across the country. They've written to me on the generic radio website. Maybe I could reach out to them and maybe they would enjoy doing it. So, yeah, I did. I wrote to Florida. I wrote to a, guy, a gal in Toronto, a guy in Kentucky, uh, another one in Texas uh, and down on the coast. And they all said, oh, this sounds like this sounds interesting. So, yes, our goal has always been to, A, bring in different groups and cross-pollinate these people and, B, um, the, just to, to mix them up. So I, while we have certain directors of certain shows who bring in people on a regular basis, uh, I love to mix it up. And I love the fact that, for instance, The Red Rider, yeah, we had uh, Tom Conkle out in California, and we had Jeff in Massachusetts. We've had actors in England, uh, in Canada, in Florida. I mean, they're coming from everywhere, and it's great fun to bring them all together because it's it and and it, the cross pollination is wonderful. Meeting Tom, for instance, I mean I've met so many cool people through this, um, so many real talents out there, some really skilled voices, some really enthusiastic people, um, and some that I'm just have become new fast friends. Um, can I do one more story here? You know, of course. Um, one. Uh, one of the people that I've met uh, through Generic Radio's comment form that, that then has become a real uh, enthusiast for this is a guy named Robert Mills. He's out in the Hollywood area. And he's the, he's the one exception to doing the old scripts. He's writing new scripts for us. But I'm going to let him because he used to work with Bob Hope. Oh. He used to be one of Bob Hope's own writers in the 70s. And he was a fairly young fellow then, uh, but he worked on all the Bob Hope's specials in the 70s, went with him to China and all the TV shows he did. The man knows what old comedy sounds like. And uh, he has written 
several Jack Benny shows for us, a Fibber McGee and Molly show, and most recently an Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show. And they all sound exactly like lost episodes, if you will. <laughs> You've never heard them before, but they sound exactly like the real thing. Uh, because this man grew up, he's 85, and he, he grew up with old-time radio and grew up around the people in it and is a direct link to people like Hope who had radio shows from the 30s on. So that's been wonderful. And to have him put together new shows for us uh, in the style of the old and and to just meet somebody who has so many stories to tell and all the people he met. I mean, he's going, oh, yeah, that time I met Sheldon Leonard, that time I used to go golfing with Sheldon Leonard, uh, who was the guy who, who was on Jack Benny and later helped co-create Gilligan's Island and all these things. It's like okay. bringing the whole cast together to listen to his stories is worth it. I don't care if we come up with a show or not. <laughs> It sounds like you've had the opportunity to work with some really awesome people. And I think working at um, us being forced to communicate kind of online uh, a lot of the times has led us to meet a lot of people. I mean, this network, um, Fasting Nonsense, was uh, established during the middle of the pandemic where there's this. Uh, uh, so Greg and chat mentioned something. I love how the pandemic has led to the proliferation of remote collaboration. That's very true. Like people had to learn to communicate and work together. Uh, when we're so used to office-based jobs and uh, being in person. Um, and so I'd like to move over to Hannah and talk a bit about some of the collaborative works that um, she's done um, since I, either before the network, if you've had opportunities to work on something kind of similar or um, your work within Fasting Nonsense. Yeah. So um, I, let's see. My my body of work in the audio sphere uh, is um, I had one experience doing an in-person podcast. Uh, I'm not sure. It was very, very amateur hour stuff. Uh, it was it was about Glee, uh, the the TV show from the early aughts. It was a, a friend of mine and I would get together uh and uh talk about uh we'd watch all these episodes of glee because we were both uh interested in it uh as a, a particularly bonkers show that was formative in our childhoods and has some weird like political implications um it, we were interested in it as a cultural relic and so that's the only in-person uh collaborative work that i've had the opportunity to do um uh, the co-host and I were uh, neighbors, uh, not next door neighbors, but they live a couple a couple blocks down from me. And so I would go over to their apartment and we'd sit at a table together and we'd talk about Glee and record it. Um, and then uh, the other in-person podcasting experience I've had is a very, very short one. Uh, and that is uh, Ghosts on a Train, the actual play that I am in. Uh, we recorded the very first episode in February of 2020. Uh, and we did that in person. Uh, we had uh, the, the cast is myself, my roommate, and two of our friends who live in the area. And so they came over, uh, the two friends, to our apartment. And we sat around a table and we played a game and we recorded it. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. 
Um, and so both of those uh, moved to doing things remotely uh, and continued doing things remotely, actually, uh, until until the Glee podcast ended uh, and Ghosts on a Train currently still records remotely. Um, and it's it's an interesting shift going from doing something in person to doing it remotely. I think there are considerable pros and cons to each approach because the energy is definitely different and somewhat better in person, at least uh, for the, for my, in my experience. Um, it, it was, you can play off each other more easily if you are sitting across from somebody at a table than if you are talking to them through video uh, and you have to, you know, work out all the technology and there are glitches and, uh, and even if everything is functioning at its absolute best, it's it's different talking to a video of a person than it is talking to a three-dimensional person who you can share air with. Um, uh, however, some things about remote are logistically easier for audio recordings, uh, particularly the, the audio part. Um, it's difficult, logistically speaking, to... Micro to find a microphone placement and record, uh, you know, a four-person table. Uh, if you are an amateur and don't have a very fancy setup, um, and there's there's something nice about everyone setting up on their own and recording their own audio, isolated, uh, and then you know it's it's much easier to edit together. Uh, in the case of the Glee podcast, which I actually did help with the editing of. Uh, it was nice to be able to clip stuff out of one track and keep the other track in because when we were both recording with one microphone and like one of us would sneeze while the other was talking, you couldn't get rid of the sneeze without getting rid of the talking. Um, so yeah, there were pros and cons to that. And then my, my two other experiences, uh, were never going to be anything but remote, uh, Midsummer's Quarantine and super suits both uh i believe both happened fully during the pandemic um but even even if they didn't uh the writers and casts for all of those things all lived distributed across america uh i don't think we had anyone doing premiere up for those although i could be wrong um i don't believe so it, it, yeah um but in any case, there was there was no logistical way that we could all do it uh, together in person. Um, and and the experiences with both of those were also very different because uh, the two previous podcasts I talked about were unscripted. You, you just showed up and you talked. Uh, whereas for Midsummer's Quarantine and Super Suits, I was writing scripts. Um, I wasn't even recording anything personally. Um, it was, you know, a fully, fully different job for me. Uh, and writing scripts remotely is an interesting experience because it, on, in some ways it's a lot easier because you can just kind of split up the work uh, and then never speak to anyone else again. That is not the optimal way to do it, but you can. Um, uh, and, and we did do a fair amount of that. We decided, you know... Uh, X person is outlining this episode and then X person is going to write it. And then uh, we'll all 
put it all together at the end and see how it goes. Uh, the challenge is uh, making sure that you have, in fact, talked enough that you you do have some kind of like unified tone for your series. Uh, and you have a unified mythology and character arcs and stuff that you're all working under uh, before you're doing that splitting up of the work. Um, and that gets to be a little more complicated with uh, working working remotely. Uh, yeah, so so those are my that's sort of the uh, bird's eye view, wide reaching summary of all my all my experiences working remotely. I'd like to, and something that Becca pointed out is um, Rebecca says she is really curious about the co-writing process for Super Suits. You guys seem to handle it well. You had a story the other day as well where I think the only one time you ever wrote in the same room as a person was the episode of you that you and Stefan worked on. Um, and everything else was done in kind of a, um, you had a writer's room, is that correct? That you would meet Not often? a physical one. Right. Um, we did, we had, we had a group of writers, um, and we had a few meetings, um, probably like, I don't know, maybe a dozen or so over, over the whole time of writing the, the first season. Um, the first couple were just sort of setting everything up uh like the first one was being like okay who are our main characters what is what is the big overarching view of the world uh 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 we did not even i think in that meeting plan out the episodes we were going to write we had like uh because super suits was very you know there wasn't overarching plot but it was also rather episodic it's this show uh about uh lawyers living in a superhero world and so we did have overarching character arcs uh and some level of overarching plot for the season but also it was like okay this week's case is uh uh an alien custody battle this week's case is um uh the statute of limitation no we didn't do a statute of limitations case this week's case is uh uh, someone built an evil lair in an abandoned building. Do they have a legal right to that abandoned building? <laughs> like, uh, it, it could be very disconnected. And so uh, people just kind of pitched out episodes, uh, pitched out legal cases, and then eventually uh, we settled on we were going to have 20 episodes, and people just kind of wrote what they wanted to write. And then... Uh, we did have a couple other meetings to figure out like, okay, how are overarching plots and character arcs going to fit into this? Like a few of these episodes need to be integrated with like introducing certain characters or having certain characters come to certain realizations. We need to fit in references to the giant portals that are opening up all over the city, you know? Um, but a lot of that overarching stuff can be added in later as well. And so we kind of let people uh, write what they want. Uh, and then we went back and we shifted characterizations. We shifted, uh, you know, references to other things happening that, that 
dealt with overarching plot. Uh, we we let people work largely independently, and then we tweaked it at the end so that everything fit together. Um, I think probably the the so so it was more I think separate than you might have thought. We didn't have super regular meetings. We had a periods of like months where we didn't meet once uh, because people were just writing their individual episodes. Uh, our main, I think, vehicle of collaboration was we did have a very active writer's room discord um, because as people were writing their episodes, uh, what would happen is they would run into uh, either something minor, like I need a name for a villain and, you know, they would message the discord and everyone would be like, oh, Dr. Mega, you know, Moople or whatever. Um, or we would run into a characterization question or a world building question. Uh, and then the whole discord would light up with what was sometimes like hours long discussions, working out the kinks of, um, uh, what the character backstories were and what the world building was like. Um, and they got very detailed and very intense. Um, and I think in some ways they were more helpful than the meetings. Uh, both, both had their place, of course, but the discord conversations would be the things that sort of arose naturally while we were writing sort of the problems that we, we didn't anticipate having, while we were in our, our sort of group meetings. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways that, that meant that they were a lot more integral to the DNA of the show. Um, and so, yeah, we, I guess the, the overall summary here is we worked largely independently for a lot of the time, but we sort of kept re-coming back to each other when there was a big thing that we thought needed to be decided with everyone working together. And we also had uh, sort of myself as lead writer and Jackie as showrunner, once all the scripts were done, looking looking through everything and being like, okay, how are we gonna make sure everything here is consistent? That's awesome. It's a lot of incredible information. And um, and it goes to show that you, it's, it, it is pretty easy to work remote on something like a writer's room and things like that. And I know that you said that um, casting um, took place maybe 80% through the writing process. Um, and you, you've mentioned that uh, in a previous panel that that did help adjust a bit of the tone of a lot of what you were writing. So once you had that voice of this character is this voice in my head, specifically we were talking about Cole Castillo being a, a Long Island uh, lawyer uh, and it, it became a little easier to give the characters that identity Um and so that's it's really fascinating to kind of hear about. Uh, please check out that was during which panel that you and Aaron were on? Was that the narrative panel? Yeah, it was scripted audio plays, I believe. Oh, it was scripted, scripted audio, audio plays. dramas. It is the final panel of our first day, so that'll be available. There's a lot more uh, kind of interesting information about writing an audio play in that as well. Uh, so definitely check that out. Um, so Greg from the chat has a, a question for Larry, and it, it does touch a little bit on what you mentioned before, but more um, uh, more specifically, how are you able to take advantage of being remote beyond expanding the cast? I wonder if that made it easier or harder to match the feeling of a radio play, or if the matching feeling was not a priority, how did working remote 
remotely allow you to take these radio plays further than their original form? Question. Um, matching the feeling of a radio play, of a vintage radio play, since we're recreating lost episodes so much of the time, um, is a priority. Uh, and if you go online, you can find plenty of groups out there that have done radio plays, and they do feel kind of amateurish. So we are trying very hard to make this sound like you've tuned into a really nice quality recording. You've stumbled a, on a nice quality recording from 70, 80 years ago. Uh, I don't think it's made it any easier. <laughs> it is nice to It is nice to have actors all over the place to call on. Uh, and and that's been you know the highlight these wonderful talents that that surprised me. There's so many people who ought to be able to earn a living at this, you know, with their voices. We all wish we could, and 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 there's some who I really think they ought to because they're just brilliant. Otherwise, no, the technology has been um, an enabler, but it's a real challenge, you know. Um, as I started saying earlier, you know, just, just the beginning of things, Zoom, when you're all together, and, and and I should say, you know, we record this all in one piece because that's the way they did it then. I, you know, I've also done shows in the last two years for other people where I just read my lines into a mic and send them off. And that 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 hurts to me. Uh, I As you were saying, uh, you know, getting two people to, Hannah, you know, two people together, even if they're on the same you know, Zoom, as opposed to just reading lines into the ether, uh, is an improvement. So getting all eight or nine people in the same conference is wonderful. But there is that split second of delay as Zoom processes stuff that tends to slow things down. That hurts. The uh, fact that everybody's in their own room with their own mic, which can range. I mean, we've had people who who merely have their iPhone available and other people who have practically studios. So we have a lot of audio variability. Uh, fortunately, with separate audio tracks in Zoom, I spend the next three days kind of rebalancing that. And because we're doing old-time radio, I, I filter it, filter the top end out and do all sorts of things. I can actually make it sound like an old radio show, make it sound worse, which is a saving grace. <laughs> uh, one one of our shows, the sound quality was so weak uh, that I actually added record scratch to it uh, to make it sound like we were listening. I mean, because there was no way I could make it sound brilliant. So I just made it sound old. Mm -hmm. um, and it worked. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, not my, it's not my preference. Um, but, um, and then the other thing we're doing is that we are not just a podcast. Yes, it goes out on Sonic Society and several um, several of the podcast, you know, uh, things, uh, Mutual Audio Network and whatnot. Uh, but we've also kept the video component so that you can essentially peer into a studios. Um, that's because we used to do this i used to do this for live audiences and i wanted to keep that because when you do a live show everybody wants to see the guy doing the sound effects uh that's always the fun of it and we decided to keep that we don't get the biggest numbers but we've kept that and that's been interesting rather than just do a regular old zoom conference i've tried to tart it up if you will with backgrounds and 
colors and a little bits of animation and and make it something you you could watch and is that taking it a little further than the radio only version uh, definitely uh and people seem to uh, enjoy that uh, it's certainly been a challenge and a, and a pleasant one for me to try to figure out how are we going to present uh this show what's the environment we're going to set it in what's the backgrounds uh are you know i don't go crazy on animating i mean it's still guys in windows but uh, at least there's a you know some some unifying background uh, themes and colors and things to to give you something to to watch at and watch so does that is i that, think uh, did i get a question in there somewhere i i think so i think you hit on every part of I it i would if i if i could i mean I would be happy to put everybody in one nice studio room with one big old mic in the dead center and, you know, all clustered around and, and recording it that way, like like it was done in the 40s. It was so much simpler and so much easier to do live when when the volume control was the actor themselves backing away from the mic. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and that definitely takes but, a certain degree of skill that I don't think that we, um, as in the podcast sphere, have to deal with much, this minding your own volume when doing a live play, because we can always handle that in post. That is a certain interesting like level of degree of, of skill that your actors, performers must have when you do it live like that. Um, and I, I will say that... Um, the, the video component that you have provided for the YouTube is actually what really caught my attention when I clicked on the Red Riders uh, video is I was very impressed to see you actually doing the Foley while speaking um, and really kind of it, it just really did feel like you were sitting in on a play. And I, I personally really appreciated it. So your hard work my, does my, not go unnoticed. <laughs> that, that's good. My real my real goal is to get the number of views up on, on YouTube because you can watch it once and then turn off this picture and just listen mm -hmm. so i double double my uh, views that way that's it's really just a cheap trick to increase my number of views so. oh that's a uh, that's awesome we we so when when it came to actually uh, rehearsing and practicing for super suits we also had uh private rehearsals we invited our um crowdfunding backers to listen in with us and um it, it was it was pretty interesting we we got to kind of test and, you know, we have these limitations of lag and things like that. Uh, some people were on really heavy delays and, you know, the 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 pacing often felt a little um, a little off at times. But for for you, Hannah, when you were listening in on uh, the rehearsals, what, can you describe it? What it was like to hear your um, your words come to life um, in a remote setting like that? It was it was amazing. Um, <laughs> there's, I mean, as a writer, I think there's really nothing like watching your work performed. It is everything is so much better than than it. I I read back my scripts on the page and I was like, hey, these are pretty good because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have turned them in if I didn't think they were pretty good. But hearing them aloud and done by actors is just everything is so much better than you think it's gonna be it's incredible um and i don't for me i i don't think it's a it's such a hard question to answer would would you rather do things remote or in person because on one hand i think our cast is 
perfect for super suits. I think I there is not a single thing I would change. Um, and the idea that if we were trying to do things in person, uh, if we were trying to do things in person, we probably couldn't have all these people. They all live in different places. They're not going to be able to come for rehearsals, you know, every week or so, get on a plane, leave their leave their lives behind. That's, you know, that's ridiculous. Um, and the idea that we wouldn't be able to have all of these people be the characters that that they are, as you know, as Tony said, like once they started reading for it, the the characters in my head changed, and they're they're inexplicably for me inextricably tied in with the actors that play them. Um, you know, that would be that would be heartbreaking. That would be awful. Um, but also, I would just kill to get all these actors in a room together mm -hmm. <laughs> because the lag and the the sort of there's a spark you're missing doing remote rehearsals. And I think ours ours were still incredible. Our actors were incredible. Hearing my scripts uh, and the scripts from the other writers read aloud was incredible. But it's also hard not to think of, ugh, this would be just the tiniest bit more incredible. There would be that little sort of X factor that's missing if we could just get these people in a room together. Cause I've, you know, I've done, I'm a big fan of live theater. I have, I participated in some of it some years ago. Um, and, and I do think it's different. It just is. Um, and so, yeah, the rehearsal experience for me, was absolutely incredible. Um, and I am so, so grateful to our remote setup uh, for allowing us to get the cast that we did. Um, and I truly, I balancing the pros with the cons is a very, very difficult thing for me. It's probably a very, very difficult thing for, for anyone who, who has to make these calls, but, um, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Certainly. I, I did, there are a few feelings in the world like that, I think. I, I, I would I agree with you. I'd love to get the cast, my casts together after. Somehow we'll do that. I've I, when I was up in Colorado once, I did meet with one of them in person, and I've got standing offers from several. If if I ever get up to Kentucky or or California to to gather, and that's you know that's a good sign that the show is the show is good and the people are having a good time, and and it, that comes through in the in the in the recordings and in the productions if they are enjoying themselves. So I, I can most definitely. Yeah. Do you... And we had similar stuff with super suits, like the casts. One of the amazing things about that whole production is the cast seems to get along. Great. I, the, the cast discord is as active as the writers discord, even that now that the recording is done, they just pal around. In there. Um, uh, the chemistry is great, even remotely and God, it'd be, so cool to see how it would be in person. I was going to bring up a, a one example I can think that being remote and having our access to our own computers and stuff was was a boon to uh, it, that we probably couldn't do live is that there were times during rehearsals that our cast would genuinely surprise us with uh, an example, Ty, who plays Hazel Hallow they had a vocoder that w they could apply effects to their voice. And there was, there was one point where uh, Hazel 
and Harper are the are Harper is the main character of Super Suits and their twin Hazel. They can communicate telepathically um, as twins. It's just something we've set up in the um, in the universe. And there was there was a time that Ty had put on their vocoder to have this whispery, echoey voice, uh, and it really genuinely shocked us because we weren't expecting any sort of above and beyond kind of uh, uh, effects like that and it really threw us all through a loop we were like what what are we hearing right now it was so cool and so that i i think there being remote gives freedom to maybe do some things that you're limited to if we were in person but that's that's a pretty narrow example but is one that stuck out in my head that was very very fun um yeah we, we we've as Hannah said, the, the entire process for everything with Supersuits was very, very, very remote. And a lot of the collaboration, a lot of the extra fun we had during crowdfunding was also from um, us all meeting and be able to do events live. Uh, part of our crowdfunding is we had um, a uh, for crowdfunding our show. We had a TTR, a one page TTRPG that we provided people of a certain tier, and we actually got to advertise and play that show online. So we'd meet in Discord, and I would crop everyone's camera, and we would do kind of this live play, uh, very kind of similar to what you had experienced, Larry, where we were doing a live actual play. Um, we. I wish I could have enhanced it with sounds and foley and all that. Uh, now that I, uh, now that you inspired me to, uh, but it, it was, it is really awesome that we are able to bridge that gap and come together to do some really amazing things with people that we have never met and maybe will never meet. Um, Hannah mentioned yeah. that being together would be amazing, and there was something that we were hoping to plan for a convention coming up, but unfortunately we were a little late to the punch, but we were hoping to do some sort of live play at uh, FlameCon in New York where maybe we could have some of the main cast get together and do a um, and do a skit. I think that would have been really fun. So I think we would have had Cole because uh, Aaron says she would have been able to join. So we'd have like Cole, Dan, uh, sorry, Aaron, Dan, we'd have Greg, um, and a handful of other voices. What do you think we could have done in a situation like that? What framing device do you think we would have had to put these like kind of mismatched characters together that maybe don't normally interact? Putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, hmm. Maybe go ahead. Well, I think one one thing uh, that we did a lot during rehearsals because uh, for the cast we did have folks in Europe. We had folks uh, very widely distributed uh, throughout the world, and so uh, time zones were a considerable challenge. Um, and we, you know, when we were rehearsing episodes, we often did not have the full cast there, uh, partially because Super Suits has a huge cast, uh, and every episode had many, many voices. Um, and so we got our voice actors very used to switching around parts. Um, uh, I think everyone, even like the leads had to at least once, well, maybe not Harper, because Harper was in every single episode, but I think everyone else at some point had to perform a character that wasn't theirs 
um, which was super fun to listen to because it's a very, a very talented cast and all of the different interpretations of these characters were very cool. Um, and so my initial thought for FlameCon when we were planning it was I, I was just going to throw whatever actors we had <laughs> at whatever characters uh, we, we wanted to be present because uh, I don't think, I think Aaron was the only member of the main cast that could make it uh, if memory serves. But we also had like people, Dan and Lee, for example, had both auditioned for Harper and both of them gave quite amazing auditions. So, so, you know, I, I would trust either of them to play Harper. I absolutely love the voice actor that we got and I would not replace them for the world, but there are other people in the cast that, you know, did, did a great job in their own ways and in their own interpretations. Uh, but failing that, Cole, uh, the member of the main cast that Aaron does play is very fun. She's a favorite character of mine. And so it, uh, uh, she's one of the more chaotic members of the main cast, I would say. So it would, I think, be very fun just to uh, do a little special of like, all the other lawyers on the team are out. They're all sick. It's just cool. Uh, she's got to manage these like four different cases. <laughs> um, uh, and have, you know, all of our, all of our voice actors popping in and out as uh, the, the characters, the, the more, you know, the clients they played um, uh, and Miss, Miss Castillo just kind of desperately trying to juggle it all and yelling at everyone. I think, I think that that would have been pretty funny. That would have been awesome. <laughs> um, Hmm. So uh, do we have any more notes to touch on for anything we've kind of talked about so far? Any any specific challenges, um, any specific conveniences that you found um, before we move on to the next section? Or if any, we have any questions from chat as well, we could definitely take those now. Um, well, my question is for you, you know, you guys, you guys use Discord. Is that your main um, collaboration tool then? It is. Yeah. Let's see how you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I think, so it sounds like from, and I, I was going to comment more on Discord anyway, because I do have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, it sounds like you guys mostly do, mostly do like scheduled Zooms. Do you do less sort of uh, spontaneous conversation than we do? I would say we do. I mean, we're not, you know, we have a script. It's it's set in stone. Uh, I, m many of my actors tend to be fairly older. Um, they're, I mean, we've had a 10-year-old here and there, but we have also had 80-year-olds. They are challenged by all the options of technology, shall we say. And, and Zoom, when we started, was really the only collaborative you know, video out there anyway. So uh, we tend to work mostly between email and uh, and Zoom. And, and we've only do these shows in three, uh, three total meetings. We have one read through, one rehearsal, and one recording session. And that's because most of these guys are pretty good, and that's also because that's the way it was done back then. They didn't they didn't spend weeks. They, you know they came in that 
The guys who were in the regular shows came in that morning and did the show two hours later because they knew their character. Um, so we, the biggest challenge is, you know, typically I just email everybody who might be in the cast. I mean, I put out a e-blast to everybody who could be interested. I ask for uh, different directors have different ways of casting them. Uh, but once we got it, the biggest challenge is to find the three times where everybody can get together for 90 minutes uh, or less. And that's always been, uh, that that's the forever challenge. <laughs> so, and then it's, and then it is scheduled Zooms and uh, get the, get there and let them, everybody have a good time for as long as we can stand before we actually look at the script. <laughs> we... We have a kind of, I think it depends on the quantity of people we're working with, the way we go about scheduling. Uh, typically, we're usually working with 10 people or less when it comes to our original shows uh, before Supersuits, uh, which is by far the biggest thing we've ever done. And normally, we use something like uh, when to meet where people sign in, they put their name, and then they block out a time within a certain window that they are available. Um, and then the more people are available during a time, it's darker green, which means you have more overlap there. Uh, something like that was very difficult with Supersuits where we had... 50 to 60 people that we were calling on so if you may remember this a little better than i hannah but i'm pretty sure we asked everyone like three options like or, or, or a set of options of like when are you most available at, to meet and then from there we just kind of had to arbitrarily not arbitrarily but tried to pick the day that we thought the most people could join because we were never going to get all 60 people in there at one time it's just statistically impossible <laughs> Yeah, I think so. We sent out a when to meet when we were originally scheduling um, and everyone filled it out. Everyone had their availabilities and it very okay. quickly became clear that uh, doing the math on who we could get most when uh, would would be very difficult. Uh, and so what we ended up doing is our, our director, uh, Amy, she she sort of decided to just schedule rehearsals. Um, she scheduled them around the main, our main five characters specifically, because it's easier to look at the schedules for five actors than sixties. And she blocked out like just hours of rehearsal. And she said to the whole cast, like, show up if you can. Um, tell me if you're going to show up so I can decide what episodes we're going to do, but show up if you can. Um, and from there, uh, she, so for her, it was important that everyone get through at least one rehearsal as whatever character they were going to play before recording it on their own. We didn't record during the rehearsals. Amy would just sort of green light everyone uh, as she heard them and as she was satisfied with their performances. Um, uh, and then they would record by themselves, do a few takes usually. Uh, and so... So yeah, we, um, so it was more like we were casting wide nets of like this three hour period and everyone, okay, 10 people can come for this hour, 10 people can come for this hour. And we tried to do uh, the episodes that we had the people for uh, and to catch the stragglers, Amy would have sort of individual sessions. She said like, hey, if there's something we haven't been able to green light you for, just sit down with me and we'll, we'll get it done. And sometimes it was like two lines and the meetings were like 10 minutes. Some she'd 
be like, okay, yeah, good. Um, so that's how we did scheduling. But yes, to to your uh, original question, Larry, Discord was definitely our main collaboration tool. Uh, we did all our video meetings over here uh, and we had sort of the chat going uh, when we were not in rehearsals. I will say it was it was the main tool for both the writers and the cast, but the writers and the cast used very different parts of it. Uh, the cast used the chat function to pal around and like <laughs> to talk about to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever, but not that much work got done uh, in the chat functions of the cast Discord. They, you know, mostly they they used the rehearsals to uh, do their thing. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, the writers who used the sort of did the spontaneous chatting and, and working out world building more uh, because that's something that is less dependent on what someone's voice sounds like. You can just type out the information. Uh, although one of the challenges I will mention uh, is it's very hard to have conversations over chat. Uh, most of us I'm sure have run into the problem at various points of our lives uh that you can't read tone over text messaging mm -hmm. uh and we did occasionally run into trouble i think in the writer's room just because writing is a super personal thing i talked about this in the last uh panel as well and so one of the biggest challenges of collaboration in person or not in person is just uh, not taking it too personally when your ideas get shot down or, or criticized or someone suggests something different. Um, and I think that problem was at at least a few points definitely compounded by the fact that we had a lot of uh, these conversations over chat where you couldn't read tone so much. Like there were a few a few times where things got very intense and people got people got their feelings hurt um and none of it ever caused any like lasting drama usually what happened is you know the person would uh take a step back from the chat for like half an hour and then be like okay i've calmed down uh we're gonna we've hit pause and now we're gonna restart the conversation and everyone's gonna understand each other a little better on the second try mm -hmm. um and those conversations were still always productive. We still always got the answers to all of our questions. Um, but it did sort of ratchet up, I think, the the personal aspect of writing. It made it a little easier to have miscommunications and misunderstandings. Uh, and so that was a challenge. Um, so yeah. Firing someone, via, firing someone via email is no fun. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that well, sounds awful. No, no, I mean, you know, telling an actor they're not right for the part is not easy. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And email email is, is challenging, so. Oh, no. I mean, we had 300 plus auditions in total for Super Suits with, uh, with... Yeah, we did have to turn people down over email, which I didn't have to do that part. It sounded awesome. <laughs> yeah, a Amy was definitely the, uh, went director mode and, and was the one who had to do so. But I mean, yeah, we put out an open casting call. It was paid, you know, these are all paid opportunities. And so we ended up keeping 50 something out of over 300, maybe just shy of 300. It was, 
it was a lot of people and um i know like you know there's probably like 50 to 100 that are relatively easy cuts you know people you know shooting their shot that are that are new and, and learning and then there was another 100 uh, to 150 that amy and jackie were like oh my oh my god i you know did you all make those casting decisions together hannah how were you involved with that i'm very curious yeah so i was uh I would say I was involved in the casting in a more advisory role. Um, I was like, I was more involved in it than any of the other writers. Um, I, you know, did as head head writer, I got to listen to all of them. I got to, uh, you know, I, I got veto power over some people. I could say like, I really don't think this person is right for the role. Um, uh, I got to, you know, sit in on callbacks and I gave, gave my input. Certainly. Um, the final decisions were all down to Amy, our director. Um, and she like, she, there, there definitely like were some decisions made that I did not have input in, which I was perfectly happy with. I'm choosing, choosing, casting is hard, man. (laughs) Um, Casting is really hard. I I would not I would not want want that to be my primary responsibility. Um, uh, yeah, she she picked uh, a lot. She cast basically all the sort of minor roles. Uh, without without me, I just you know she I trusted her to do it, and she did a very good job. Uh, but I did get some amount of input on the sort of main main five of the cast, and I did uh listen to all the auditions that came in and so i can yeah i can confirm what tony said there were most of the people that auditioned were very good i i wanted to keep most of them but (laughs) we we don't have the money for that and uh i am not doing the casting because i don't have the stomach for it and for context we had like 200 something named characters that had lines that needed individual voices and so even with our there was some redundancy but it's easier. I, I'm sure it was easier to have our 50 something people cover, you know, especially like the, the 40 that maybe cover like multiple voices to do that. than trying to cast 200 people for 200 voices, it's probably yeah, easier to have that redundancy in actor. Yeah. And like a lot of the characters have, you know, two lines and we have 20 episodes. So like, I don't think anyone maybe like one There's or like two, two people. instances and it's yeah, really double duty within one episode um oh. um yeah the vintage the vintage shows are very different in that regard they you know the writers back then knew if i had nine characters you know three are going to be doubled and and we mm. follow that rule a lot and they wrote smaller shows because because of that because it was all together and live it's it's a different uh, scenario than if you were recording one line on your own to be slugged in at some point but if you got to get everybody in the studio at the same time you're not going to sign somebody a single line if you, unless it's the you know the announcer who gets to do 20 other things too but again that became part of the fun of the watching the old time radio you'll see a couple of our characters do two parts couple of our actors and switch and and you can guess at that and that's fun i mean that's not uncommon <laughs> yeah, and even. a lot of i in my i i have not watched uh have not watched your particular radio plays but i've i've seen voice actors work and a lot of the times like 
<laughs> it's hard to even tell that both are doubling up. They're very good at making their voices distinct. I was going to bring up, oh. like, Dragon Ball Z in specific. Sean Schemmel and Chris Sabat play, like, 80% of the people that you hear on that episode. It's it's insane. We, you know, they're just so talented that they can... It's probably easiest to be like, you're going to do Goku's line, and then you're going to do Master Roshi, and uh, all in one shot. And um, I can't imagine logistically that's easier. And, and it really makes me appreciate what you do, Larry, and that you have to, you know, we have to, like, join if you want, or if you can. Like, these are the times. Like, you don't have that luxury of of you of having maybe some people there, some people not, and they can just do their lines whenever. You have to have a massive crew there. What is the most amount of people that you've been able to gather in one space to do something with Project Audion? Well, I, I try, try to self-censor shows that are bigger than about 12 or 13. You know, I think we've had, I, I know we've had um, uh, 12, or, 12 or 13, but I don't think we try to do more than that. Also, well, I'm going to look what that one is. That's four, that's four, yeah, that's 11. So we, we, we stop as they did at, at 12 or 13 people usually at a time for, for a given show. Okay. Just, just too hard otherwise. And it's too, too hard to find everybody who can meet together. We've had to, we've had to, you know, I've, I've had people who wanted to do the show and couldn't, and my first choice just couldn't, couldn't work out a schedule. So, you know, yeah. that's frustrating too. So right. other than that, I mean, the goal is just to keep communicating as much as possible because we are all in our rooms. And I think that's this, I certainly have felt that at the minute, the, the minute the recording is stopped uh, you know, I, c I can get myself in the in an imaginary space where all these people, you guys are with me right now. And then when this particular seminar is over, I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to look up and I'm going to go, oh, yeah, I'm by myself again, am I not? Uh, and that's a, a big letdown. So communicating is you can never do enough of that before, after and during a production uh, I, you know, it's always important to to reach out and, and email the guy or, or chat with the gal or something right afterwards. You know, you can never tell them enough how much this has been good. You can never remind them enough that the show's about to go on the air afterwards, you know, when it's going to premiere. Uh, make them feel a part of it when when the light goes when the ring light goes out <laughs> mm -hmm. that's that's our new on air light is the ring is the little zoom ring light. Uh, and when that light goes off, you know, you're back by yourself again. And, and one of my goals is to keep everybody engaged the rest of the time when when they when they've walked away. So, I, I yeah, I, I think that was one of the things that was really lovely about having sort of a discord chat for the super suits, because mm -hmm. I remember like at the end of every rehearsal, you would turn off the computer and it would be super jarring just to be alone in your room. Uh, but then the Discord would be like immediately flooded with messages from the cast that would go, that was so fun. You, you know, X person did so well. I loved your take on this character. Uh, mm -hmm. your, your, this monologue was amazing. Uh, and that was, that was really nice at, uh, fostering that, that sense of community. I do. I think that's really important. It made my it job is, I... feel really easy to, uh, easier because I was running the crowdfunding so having people all in one place to be excited about the show and then help us like hey you know 
the the show has launched we're all in one place you know as much help as you can give us today talk about it share it with everyone having that sense of community and that one place to kind of chat with everyone definitely helped a lot uh when it came to raising funds for the show and every so often i just have to step back and you know and and find myself kind of awestruck that we have these astonishing tools to make any of this possible. We take it for granted and we whine and we go, oh, there's lag and oh my God, you know, Discord crashed. And But on the other hand, what we're doing is pretty bloody astonishing and the tools to collaborate, to raise money, to, to post-produce in a, you know, I, just just even... Audio mixing, you know, it's sitting here on a laptop is something that used to take, you know, a 16-track recorder and a huge studio and two-inch audio tape, because I'm an old analog guy. I'm old enough to remember all that and beyond. It is amazing what, what we are able to do these days, and I just think that, you know, for every time I go, mm. I'm also going, wow, we can do this. This is so cool. <laughs> and keeping that enthusiasm is important, too, and, and reminding everybody that, you know, this, this is possible. It's pretty cool. We have such an international um, cast, too. I mean, we have um, obviously a lot of us are stateside, but we have a lot of people in the UK. We have people in Ireland, um, even in the network, you know, we have. Uh, David uh, from Dose After You is in Spain. Um, Sabine from Supersuits is from Austria. And, you know, we, we had people from all over the place. Rebecca, who's uh, with us right, is with us right now, is in Sweden and, and plays. And I couldn't imagine a better Lois than Rebecca. You know what I mean? Like, we have our main cast. Uh, one of them is in uh, Aaron's in Texas, and and Mal, uh, who's voiced by Ben Meredith of Magnus Archives, is in is in the UK. And it, this wouldn't be possible had we not had this level of connection. You're you're so right. It gives us indie creators opportunities to have voice talent from all over the world without having to fly them into a studio and make a c- connection and do all this stuff. It yeah. is amazing. And I. The home audio setup has become so, uh, you know, there's a lot of podcasts, the same story. I was bored during a pandemic and I wanted to make a podcast. Me and my friends were isolated and we made something together. And that would only be possible through the the means that we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, audio equipment it was probably not very, very easy to come by back in the, the, like the, the earlier analog days. But now you can buy a really good microphone and a really good um, audio input device and plug it into your computer for... 200 300 bucks at most you know oh, less you... less than i mean that's less than that the mics they used back then you know the the ribbon mics that the rca 44s that that the, made the old radio shows sound like they did you know were a, massively expensive and fragile creatures back then hmm. if you found one today it's still twenty five hundred dollars to get a reconditioned one but this you know mono price uh, large format condenser is 24 bucks and it's astonishing mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah technology is pretty cool when it when it as long as it works so that that answers uh, my question earlier <laughs> we, we were talking about we have we have a space uh, an rss feed called f and show offs that are for like one-off audio projects that don't belong on any one of our shows feeds and for like collaborative works and for community uh driven ones and i was like oh we should do one that is all that is made with vintage analog stuff and then we were talking about like how expensive that would be to get 
old, like classic analog, like of a certain era, analog equipment. And, um, you know, you said $2,500 for a refurbished one. And I was like, well, maybe that is a, a little out of the question. Uh, currently. A good recording studio might still have one somewhere, but yeah, you're not going to buy one. <laughs> I kept trying. I keep trying to find one and I can't last, last I 10 or 15 years ago, I passed on one at $750 and I'm kicking myself to this day. So, Oh my goodness. Rebecca yeah. just killed me. Re- Rebecca is so funny. Uh, alternate reality. I arrive from the airport every week. Pockets full of licorice. That terrible pepper licorice or whatever that you and Kai were talking about. Hello, bitches. I'm ready for my lowest lines. Um, I imagine that. <laughs> I imagine With a all this. Accent, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I imagine that's what all the accents on the letters is is denoting the Swedish accent. Rebecca has a beautiful voice. It is an incredible Lois. Um, we have. We're so lucky with our cast. Oh my god. Um, we do have some time to spare. We have another 10 to 20 minutes um, to uh, talk whatever we kind of want. Um, so, Larry, I would like to ask you, is there anything coming up that you're really excited about? Is there anything with Project Audion that you specifically want to tell everyone about? Well, I mean, I get excited, alternately excited and terrified about each new show. Um, you know, how are we going to pull this off? What are we going to do this time? Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and it, and it usually always comes off. Um, let's see. I have our next couple or three, um, all worked out. Um, we, you know, and, and by the way, if anybody is interested in, in becoming part of Audion, I mean, it's, um, it is volunteer, but I am always looking for more people to voice. I'm especially looking for people who want to do an old show, who want to direct. Because, um, you know, it, it was designed to be uh, a, a, a meta group, if you will. You know, I called on the people who, were do- who had old radio companies or theater troops across the country to begin with, you know, there was Pete Lutz with Narada, and and there was uh, Doug uh, Roper, uh, Doug in Kentucky with uh, uh, KCAL and and people like that. Um, so the the guy, the idea was to get groups of people into sort of a meta group, and that actually is something I could always talk about anyway. But I, but if you're interested, yeah, I'd love to have a, another person who who shows interest. We have coming up the next show is uh, which we're recording. A week from Wednesday, I guess, um, is going to be Bad Day at Black Rock. Uh, and that is uh, actually a movie that was adapted into a radio play in Australia because pretty much in America by then, radio anthology shows were well on their way out. So 1959, it was adapted into an Australian, by an Australian cast uh, who don't do Australian accents, which is good. Um because I don't think we'd like to hear that on, on with these guys. Um, after that, that Robert Mills guy has tackled Fred Allen, who was a huge comedian back in the 40s and 50s. Now, sadly, not well known, but he was as big as Jack Benny and Bob Hope and George Burns and those guys back then. He really... Uh, influenced a lot of people. You can hear echoes of his work in David Letterman and Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah, right. Um, uh, then I got to figure out what we're going to do. What whether we're going to do an old Lights Out or or some horror show for October. Um, one of the challenges that I'd like to find, and this is I'm going way off to- topic. I keep trying to find a show that we can do. You know, one of the things about doing old time radio 
is that it was a very much a white male audio environment. <laughs> Most shows have about eight men for one woman, you know, and the number of African-American actors or, or actors of color are are reduced to usual minor and st- very stereotypical roles. There were a couple shows that changed that and tried to break through that were written and directed uh, by a, a multi-ethnic cast, and, and I'm trying to find a good script and some cast members for that down the line. I would, because the educational component of this is just yet another little piece, is to try to present something that people... You know, the last thing I want to do is another Lone Ranger episode because everybody knows that that's one thing everybody does know, you mm-hmm. know, and at least the at least the opening. So try to break through with some shows that people haven't heard, and that would be um, that would be fun to do. That's so, awesome. Something like that, yeah. I, and other than that, we'll keep you know we'll keep going. This just it was kind of a one-off start, but everybody uh, enjoys it, so we keep doing it every month. The thing that I find challenging about our, you know, there's so many tools and so many people and so many brain people is we're all still, we're all still scattered. You know, I truly didn't know about super suits. You didn't know about Project Audion. What, and this, this is a, another panel entirely. And, and Jack Ward is one of those people who is working on trying, is doing better job than most at trying to bring people together mm-hmm. and hence hence he, the way he started madcon and things like that you know how do we get more more people together and more you know f- find a black hole that we can suck everybody into that everybody comes to one place and you know not quite so much in isolated orbits um there's a real challenge in that because there's so much good material that no one is that's hard to discover and i guess it's a bit like you know it's a bit like cable tv or something you know there's there's or streaming you know we no longer have three networks that everybody watches there's interesting material out there and unless something goes viral thank you viable viral it you know so much is getting missed and not heard that's Mm -hmm. really good quality out there but as I say, that's another, that's an entirely different panel discussion. Maybe MadCon will be able to get around to being in real life as was, as, as was planned at one point. And maybe we'll all be able to figure that out in, in, in person somehow. <laughs> I do wish Jack could have been here a bit more for MadCon. I know he had some last minute stuff pop up that he's not been able to participate nearly as much as he uh, would have liked oh, he's to. He's got a, he's got an immense life, immensely complicated life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because he, he really is so passionate about this industry and bringing everyone together. You know, what Sonic Society and, and the Mutual Audio Network do to kind of bridge that gap is incredible. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a double-sided uh, sword where um, it's beautiful to see that this industry is growing and that there's more and more shows every day. You know, we're getting followed on Instagram every or on, on Twitter every day by shows I've never heard of um, that may or may not be related to another show that already exists. And it's just, it is ever growing. Um, so that's a beautiful thing is that this art style is flourishing, but also it's getting to the point, and and Jack has specifically said this that there was a time that he wasn't sure that he could get enough content every week to showcase through Sonic uh, Sonic Society, 
and now it's the point that he almost like he can't even keep up it is really mm-hmm. beautiful that it, it's flourished in such a way but again it's i think driving um certain shows away from each other in that way where you can't it's getting harder to put everything together and wrap it up in a bow because there's so many options out there it's amazing so i definitely see what you're saying that would be an entire nice problem to have yeah yeah it is it's a nice problem to have and a very challenging one to solve and i know lots of people jack and uh the society for the profession of um, the spurred vac i won't say them out loud are trying to figure out ways to solve it but uh you know because there's a lot of good work out there that deserves to be heard, and I'm speaking for my own stuff too. I mean, I, I'd love to have bigger numbers. We all would love to have bigger numbers than, than we have. Uh, for living in the silver age of audio drama, uh, you know, it's it's good times technically and, and um, creatively, mm-hmm. uh, and we just would love to hear get, be able to have the audience know because, you know, I mean, how many people do we all run across and go, oh, I never heard of that. That yeah. sounds interesting. Every day. I want to go, I want to meet somebody who goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of that. That's like the best, right? That would be like oh, the yeah. best thing. Um, it, it's something like that happened with Aaron the other day um, where um, Tom had mentioned uh, someone he had worked with and Aaron's like, oh, my God, I love that show. And that's like the, a really beautiful moment because it's getting so far out. That's even becoming more and more rare. You know, people have heard of Welcome to the Night Vale and Magnus Archives and these like really big powerhouse shows. But there's all these smaller productions on the level of, you know, what what we all do and, and Unfasting Nonsense does um, that we do mm-hmm. wish that we could tell everyone so everyone please check out project audion um it's good that we love what we do yeah y'all are doing some amazing things i definitely want to get our um our podcast child kai and and talk with you because he loves live foley he loves creating sound effects himself he has a foley studio um at his school he's an audio student in london and oh yeah uh, and i think he i think he'd really like what you're doing he loves analog and stuff like that too so hannah what are you excited about is there anything you want to you would like to talk about before we head off today uh nothing nothing i haven't talked about already really uh i'm very excited to listen to project audion uh because i i hadn't heard of it i don't know anything about radio plays really uh and it sounds really cool um it's a totally different it's a totally left field thing yeah, it sounds it. Um, I, yeah, I. It sounds really cool. I am excited okay. to check it out. Well, likewise, um, I'm gonna listen to. I'm gonna listen to some super suits. I like yes. some super suits. Excellent. I'm so excited. But yes, uh, super suits. Uh, super suits should be coming out in the next few months. Uh, so obviously, that's that's the biggest thing coming up for me. Uh, I'm working on. Uh, sort of early stages of writing some other stuff that I haven't talked to people about yet and I don't intend to talk about now. Uh, but I I am excited. I am excited for what the future holds. I am excited to to keep keep writing scripts and keep keep hearing people, uh, keep hearing actors turn them into magic. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Check out all the Faustian nonsense shows. They're all very cool. <laughs> and there's many of them so far and growing all the time. So uh, that's what we can all hope for is that our projects strive. We get more people into this. You know, we had a whole panel last night about getting people into podcasts. So if we can solve that, you know, our art can all flourish. We can get more people in and then 
hopefully it doesn't continue to grow out too much and we can give everyone a lot of recognition for their art. So thank you all for uh, joining me today. Um, we have a lot more um, MadCon to go today. There are uh, three more panels and um, we'll see you after a short recess at 2 uh, p.m. Eastern. Uh, thank you all for watching and see you later. Thank you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama. Or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. 